This program will reveal various conversations about music education topics, including all levels, from middle school to the collegiate level, with a focus on presenting information to hopefully assist current and future music educators. This podcast is a part of the Music Initiative Project and Consortium based on past and current research about the challenges and victories in urban music programs. This program will reveal various conversations about music education topics, including all levels, from middle school to the collegiate level, with a focus on presenting information to hopefully assist current and future music educators. This podcast is a part of the Music Initiative Project and Consortium, based on past and current research about the challenges and victories in urban music programs. Thanks to those who have taken the time out to listen to our fourth episode. We really appreciate everyone who's taking the time out to actually listen to the episodes. In an effort to enlighten the audience to talented composers and arrangers, we have a special guest on tonight's podcast who's truly a composer and arranger. Tonight we're talking to Mr. Tyrone Barnes, a young composer of concert and marching band literature. Also, listeners, you can call in and leave a message on the topics of this podcast. Welcome, Mr. Barnes. How are you doing this evening? Happy to be here. I'm doing well, sir. Doing well. Okay. It's a, it's a real pleasure having you on here, Mr. Barnes. I've been to your website and seen and listened to some of your works. And we're going to purchase some of your, your works, man, for our band programs in our district. I can tell you that now. And uh, I've already told our fine arts director about people that are out there arranging, and I want to use their music for our programs in our school district. Mr. Barnes, tell us about yourself and your background in music education composition and arranging okay well uh i started my um collegiate career in music ed at northwestern state university it's uh, located in a central louisiana the town called natchitoches natchitoches louisiana and uh got my degree from there and uh, got my master's degree from Carleton state university uh recently in uh, august of 2019 and started started oh, on that thank you thank you sir appreciate it uh, started um, started arranging when I was in high school, you know, just you know, little bitty things here and there, and uh, really didn't get really into it. About 2007, 2008, started you know, doing some arranging uh, for high school um, high school productions and halftime shows, and then started my website, Barnesville Music, in uh, 2013. So I <clears throat> was officially composing and arranging at that point. So that's where it's taken me since then. I've, I've arranged for uh, different high schools in California, Florida, New Jersey, here in Louisiana and Texas, productions from just all over the United States where I've done a lot of musical work that I've had commissioned, people commissioned work from me. And it's been, it's been, it's been a journey. It's been an experience that uh, I, I really enjoyed. Man, that's amazing. Like I said, I, I went to your website and, and I was I'm always looking for music for my groups to sight read and things of that sort and to put on spring concert and special performances and things like that during the spring semester. And I noticed you had a ton of work 
um, that was on there. And it was the prices were in comparison to, you know, what's actually on JW right. Pepper and all of that. And and your your website, can you give the audience your website yes, one more time? Yes, the website is www.barnesvillemusic.com. Um, I, I also have work on mm-hmm. JW Pepper as well. If you're not able to find it through my website, you can also go through uh, JW Pepper oh, as wow. well. Uh, yeah, the prices saying, of uh, of music yeah. that's on my website is the same as uh, as they would be on JW Pepper, so it wouldn't be a differentiation on uh, on pricing. If 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 that's something that okay. directors out there are really concerned about when looking at their budget, and that's great, man. That's really great. I'm I'm I, I get excited about young arrangers, especially, and then I'm just gonna say it. African-American arrangers that are doing this because there's not a whole lot of guys that are doing it. And I would just say at the level that you're doing it to just have your works of, of your compositions with J.W. Pepper, that's a huge accomplishment. I commend you on that because you're doing thank it the you, right you. way. Appreciate it. You know, um, and I've been to a lot of different music conferences. I've been to Midwest. I go to Team EA every year and I don't, I don't see people that look like me there. In in the capacity yeah. that I'm in, yeah. you know, of course there are others out there that do it, and they do it probably better than I. With that being said, about the the actual arrangements, what are some suggestions about musicians developing the proper skill set for composition and arranging that you could suggest? Um, for anybody who really wants to arrange and compose, and I would have to say that the two are like they are different, but it, still the same. When you are arranging for someone else, I really feel as if, and this is from my um, my personal experience doing doing it, you know, making mistakes and correcting mistakes. You have to know the ensemble that you're arranging for. That's like the number one. That's the number one key to making a good arrangement for someone. That's going to make it sound great and make it attainable for for your ensemble because you have to know what your weaknesses are in any section. If you have a a strong trumpet section, you want that melody to feature in the trumpet section. It's important for an arranger to know the ensemble that Mm -hmm. they're writing for because that will make or break an arrangement. If you write an arrangement for a band that can't handle it, that's just going to crash and burn. It could be a great arrangement from the conductor's point of view for you know, a larger band or a more developed band. But when you have a band that has a small instrumentation or a band that has a large instrumentation, you have to know what that instrumentation is. You have to know what the strongest section is. You have to know where the weaknesses are and yeah. what, to, what to feature. And when arrangers are arranging for directors, you have to ask these questions to the directors. You know, ask them, okay, what's yeah. your strongest section? What uh, what are your weaknesses? What's your instrumentation look like? What's your largest section or you know, things of this uh, this nature, there's a long list of things that have to be considered before you even get to the score and get on Finale or Sibelius or whatever, you know, software you use to arrange. Yeah. Wow. And I, I, I've done some arranging, and it, it, this it's not even about me, but it's, I know what you're saying because 
you know, some people that quote unquote call themselves arrangers, they have these lofty goals and they don't understand range of the instruments. Right. They don't understand voicing. They don't know. They don't understand chord progressions, chord structure. Do you want open voicing? Do you want closed voicing and things of that? And so, you know, you have a lot of, and I just noticed it here lately. You have a lot of people that say I'm an arranger and things like that. Like, but did you even get, formal training for that, you know? Right, exactly. So, exactly. so you know, to know orchestration and count, exactly. you know, things of mm-hmm. the, things of that nature that you really need to consider when you, when you're arranging for someone, when you're composing, it's different. You're looking at it from what's in your brain and what's, what you want to put out there. But when you're doing yeah. it for someone else, you have to take a lot of other things in consideration because, exactly. you, you know, your name is on it and you want the best quality of work out there that fits them. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I learned that the hard way um, coming out of it because I was that guy. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm an arranger. I can do this, this, and this. And I'm thinking I'm coming from it from a place where what I think would be great, not even knowing what the uh, what the band is, you know, because if I'm writing for someone in California, I'm not going to travel to their band room and no. see, you know, see what I need to do. I'm just going to go ahead and off, off the cuff and just write what I have to write. And if it sounds great to me, then I'm going to assume that it sounds good for them and they'll be able to handle it. And then they come back, okay, well, you need to change this, 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 and this because my section can't handle that. And yeah. I have to go back, rework. And so what should have been done in a timely manner has now taken two or three weeks. Exactly. So And, and, and Tom, Tom is money. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, you know, that, that was a learning, that was a learning curve for me and, Right. After uh, a few times of doing that, I started asking questions about the ensemble so I can get a feel of what would be best for them. And, you know, just started working really fast. And that's one thing about me when I when I arrange, I'm, I'm pretty fast at knowing what's what and how to to put, add color around what I want to do. And um, mm-hmm. so I would add, tell directors like, OK, look, this is what I got so far. Let me know if I need to make any changes because I want to make it perfect for that particular ensemble yeah so you know it'll it'll be something that takes minimum effort to to work through yeah yeah okay man that's that's some great information for those young or wannabe arrangers and people who are arranging you know it it helps you go back and rethink what you're doing arranging wise and to really hone your skill set um yeah what, what is one specific thing you would do in a composition to increase students' musical successes in performing your work? As a composer, I listen to different composers' work to see, you know, what's being done in the public domain. In your compositions, what do you do to make it actually educational for the students? Um, what I, in, I try to make sure that I... Um, I encompass all of the uh, the musical elements as far as being lyrical, as far as being technical, and making it fun. So I try to make sure I cover all of those bases as far as, like, I'm a woodwind person. I'm a saxophone player. That's my major instrument. I'm an alto sax player. So with being, with, to me, with being a, a woodwind player, we... Um, I was I was classically trained in college. I, um, that's how I was uh, I was trained in the technical style of playing music. So 
as far as you know all the the sixteenth note runs and the you know the the fast movement of the fingers and all that fast fingering, I try to incorporate that a lot in my music. Now I have I have a lot of work that I have not yet published that has a lot of runs in it, you know, especially for flutes and for clarinets. You know that's what they're they're instrument is made to do so i try to make sure that i put that into my music so that way they'll know what the instrument is supposed to do and being able to be the you know in control of their instrument because i always tell my students you know you're letting the instrument control you instead of you controlling that instrument and a yeah. lot of students you know fall into that trap of letting the instrument take hold of them and Incorporating the challenging uh, aspect of music lets them know if, when, if or when they do go to college, that's the type of music literature that they're going to be introduced to. Yeah. And so when they get there, they're like, oh, okay, I played this in high school, or, you know, y'all did this in middle school, or whatever the case is, because that's the way that, you know, that's the formal training that they're they're going to get when they get to get to college, because I didn't get that, um, I didn't get that opportunity. When I got to Northwestern, everything was brand new, as far as the music ed program. Everything was brand new, everything from music theory to performing concert uh, concert pieces. You know, I, I didn't get that that um, that introduction in high school. I wasn't fortunate enough to get that. Yeah. So I had to really like reprogram my brain and understand. You know, I didn't have this raw talent that I thought I had playing uh, my saxophone. I had to really like get in my studio, get in the practice room, go through everything. You know, measure by measure. If I had to play things real slow and understand that this is you know this is the music that everybody's playing yes and you know and putting that into my composition you know my compositions it gives me an opportunity to say okay look i didn't get this opportunity i'm giving students this opportunity now if directors are choosing to play this kind of literature and get that out to them because like i stated i'm I'm in a high school now where kids weren't playing great for music we're playing grade three and four music now and at first, you know, they were, of course, they were apprehensive about playing it. They were a little discouraged. And when I showed them how to actually work up to that, mm-hmm. you know, now they're like, okay, yeah, we want to play some more stuff like this. So yeah. it, it, it can be done. It's just directors are playing it safe. In my opinion, a lot of directors out here playing, playing it safe, especially when it comes to uh, UIL competitions and other music uh, performance assessments that they have, you know, statewide. Yeah. The, because the trophies – and the uh, the superior ratings are more important than the uh, the education that students are getting. Yeah. So so your your um, compositions are because I didn't get a chance to see if any of them were on the the Texas prescribed music list, but I will go and check. I mean, as of right now, they're not. I haven't. Uh, I have not put in a submission for that. I have started it with uh, the Louisiana Music Educators Association. Yeah. And I uh, have not see, received approval yet. However, that is in the works. Texas, it will be next on my list to do that. Yeah. Hopefully, um, that gets done because I know Louisiana uses the same PML that Texas does. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, man, that, that's amazing. I, I, I figured Texas, we do things big. So <laughs> it's like. Right, right. It's, they, yes, that is true. Man. It is. It's just so much music. Texas and Florida are are like. Well, I would say Louisiana too because y'all have some some quality ensembles. I've heard some really good ensembles from the um, public schools. Some of the public schools there are really outstanding. Those programs. So, right. They really are. One one thing that I do want to ask you. 
what are some some things that you could just let the listening audience know when it comes to composing? Because co- to me, composition is harder than arranging. Because composition really comes is. from your inside, what's in your mind's ear, what you right. actually create. Um, to me, what what work what works for me all the time is. Um, I, I'm always thinking of different, you know, the, I'm going to use the, te- the uh, musical term motifs. I'm always thinking of motifs to use as far as placing uh-huh. in a melodic point of view when composing. And most of my composing work happens when I'm not composing. Most oh, wow. Like, it, yeah, so like if I'm driving the car or doing some, you know, some mundane, you know, activity or computer yeah. task, you know, that, <laughs> That's when it happens, and I'm like, oh, I got to get to the laptop right now and, and, and put this in finale so I don't forget. Exactly. And that's when it'll come, and then I work around that as far as, like, counter melodies and, you know, chord structures and all of that. Mm-hmm. But then, I mean, I'm, I'll be thinking of, you know, just what, what works. Um, I do a lot of uh, a lot of just redoing and undoing. One professor told me a long time ago, you have to be a really good improviser, like to be really good at improvisation in order to be a great composer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. Yes. Right, and that was what really helped me to to know because, you know, I I got in a place where I got stuck. I would use the same type of um, rhythms in different pieces, and I would see a pattern. Like, okay, I'm this this is a repetitive pattern. I've used this in another another piece and a piece before that and a piece before that. So I really had to understand, like, okay, how could this be different from everything else? Because if, let's just say a person buys two of my pieces and they hear this particular phrase in a previous piece, like, okay, yeah, that sounds too much like the other one. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I didn't want to, you know, be that person to have that same repetitive type of uh, trademark, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. And there are some composers who who actually have that trait. You could tell mm-hmm. that music. They, they, but the thing about it, Mr. Barnes, is like they're selling every time they write something. I guess once they make a name, they establish their name. Then people's like, oh, that's my said said composer, so I gotta have that. And it may not even be a good composition, you know. Right. Matter of fact, one of my favorite composers, Bob Margolis. If you listen to any of his pieces, all of his pieces are dark, very dark pieces. Um, good concert B flat piece. Um, uh, there was one I think it was a great two piece. He had uh, the Battle of Pavon, and yeah. it's one of my one of my favorite pieces. It's a good middle school piece. Key of B flat is really is is. You know, some people play B, concert B flat. That whole chord structure is really bright, but his is dark. Mm-hmm. And you listen to uh, there's another piece I conducted um, called Terpsichore that he um, that he arranged, and a lot of in all four of his his movements were that dark concert B flat, concert E flat mm-hmm. type of key. And that just listening to all of his other works, he had that same type of you know, trademark that his calling card, I guess you can say. And I guess every composer has one. I, yeah. Me, as far as me establishing mine, composing, I think mine would have to be volume. If it, it, above everything else, mine is, is more volume, excitement. And even, even with slow lyrical pieces, you know, the volume is there. I was composing a chorale during, uh, during class today. And I was thinking to myself, I very rarely take her shirt though. <laughs> very rarely do I do that. Like dynamic contrast is there, but just thinking about it, like I very rarely do that. 
Oh, and okay. it was something that I, I, I had to make a mental note. Like I need to include that in more of my pieces. I need to actually have that that peak valley type of feel throughout the piece. Uh-huh. And one one other thing I noticed uh, with your your arrangements, and I mean, we're everybody's big on marching band. You know, mm-hmm. I noticed that you had a lot of marching band arrangements. So you have variety. So it, people just can't right. go to your website like I'm only looking for this, or you only offer that particular type of music. Yeah. So well, I, 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 I I will have to tell I, my listeners like go check out this man's website. Right, and I did that on purpose. The reason why I did that was because of the fact that um, we have, a, well, not us, but core style bands have multiple platforms that yes. cater to their style of music. But yes. marching bands who want to replicate the HBCU style, the show style bands, yeah, those high school bands have no type of um, source to go and purchase music yeah yeah so you know who do, who do they go to and I, I know a lot of especially small bands or bands who have only one director one director by themselves can't do everything so exactly. when, when you factor in the music administration side of a band director's job that's mm-hmm. a totally different job in itself rather than just being on the podium working with music exactly so, it really is. Matter of fact, uh, I'm in the uh, process of pursuing my doctorate and, and my perspectives will be based on music administration and how every program would need at least one assistant and yep. the reasons behind that. So uh, yes. that's something that no one's talking about in the band world right now. Yeah, yeah. So um, I really feel like when... When you factor in that music administration side, no no band director wants to sit there and try to arrange something, especially if you don't arrange a lot. It's some some directors out here that do arrange for their band, some don't. To save them some time, if they want an arrangement that's going to sound like they want it to sound, have that particular sound that they are asking for, that's not necessarily, uh, for lack of a better word, um, lacking flavor, Yeah. Um, they can go to my website. They can listen to it. Um, if they want to email, you know, they want to email me or contact me to um, rearrange some stuff in the instrumentation. I'm more than welcome to do that mm. uh, to accommodate their to accommodate their ensemble and still have that fun, exciting uh, arrangement that they want okay. at the same place. So I, I'm I'm willing to to work around and adjust to whatever they need because of the fact is like I, I want that same opportunity that other that core style bands get. You know, they got JW Pepper, they got a Rangers publishing company, they got a Hal Leonard, they got all of these different um platforms. Exactly. But, but the other bands do not. Exactly. So Barnesville Music would be their go to website if they wanted something. Yep. And and you know what? Mr. Barnes, I agree with you 100% because my mindset is on that same wavelength. It's like we have, and, and it's going back to a statement I made earlier about all of these quote-unquote people who are arrangers, and you have all of this music out here, and it's like there's not one spot or a main spot that we can go to for the kids that we teach in the inner city and urban 
programs, the inner city is urban, and then the rural programs that do those type of things as well. So you're on to something. You have something. I don't mind helping promote it, and and that's why I'm doing this podcast. Listening audience, band directors that listen that listen to this, share this information with other directors. We don't have to be band directors that are on one island and not working with each other like the other programs do. They do work with each other, so and that's right, why they right. experience such a such a, a a huge level of success. So right. Well, Mr. Barnes, I do want to say thank you. I would love to have you on on another podcast, and I want to stay in contact with you because you're on to something, this podcast, and I know some other people that are doing one other podcast and brothers that are here in Texas that are doing things, and it's like, man, it's it's going to be a network for our kids. And I, and I mean kids, it doesn't matter what nationality they are, but kids that we teach. So, right. well, I really and, do. Appreciate and, and they need that. They need that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So listening audience, that's the podcast for tonight. We have Mr. Tyrone Barnes from Barnesville music, right? Did I get it right? <laughs> yes, sir. Barnesville music. Yeah. Go and check out his website. And one more time, the website, Mr. Barnes. Yes. www.barnesvillemusic.com. All right. Thank you so much, sir, for taking out the time for being on The Pulse tonight. And we're going to stay in contact. I appreciate it. And thank you so much. As always, a pleasure. Thank you. To insult anyone, it's to help educate or even make our situations better in some situations where we know people aren't built to do what we do in those areas and those urban school programs. Thank you, and we look forward to hearing you and listening to you on The Pulse. Not be the ideal situation. The experiences that will be shared through this podcast are basically and simply that, the experiences that have been gained from doing this and being a part of this fine career for so long. So to the young directors and even to the seasoned directors, this podcast isn't to will air each Monday for about 50 minutes. The podcast can be downloaded and shared. The podcast highlights include 